Good to see everybody here today. I'm Ed Glaze, one of the pastors here at Boone United Methodist Church. Just glad to be with you on this awesome, glorious day. Um, let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Oh Lord, we open our hearts and minds to you right now. Uh, you heard uh, what Lord Pageant said, that as we uh, pray for the Spirit to come, well, that's a gift you have said you'll give to us. So we pray for that Spirit to come on us and to inspire us and to embolden us and to enliven our lives and to enable us at this time to hear your word as we read and as we reflect upon uh, the scriptures. And God, we do thank you for uh, the gifts that you have given to us. May uh, we uh, respond generously to your graciousness so that the good news of Jesus is made known throughout the earth. All this we ask in and through him. Amen. Well, good to see you here uh, today. It's uh, Interesting time. We're in the Easter season, and we had a great healing service last week after a glorious celebration of, of the Lord's resurrection. And we're about to start a series of sermons, uh, as this says up there, Stewards of Hope. Stewards of Hope. Well, what does that uh, mean to steward hope? And, and first of all, what, what does it mean to, to have hope? Because, you know, there's so many in this world that, that don't have that that great gift in the life right now. They don't have that hope that we know as Christians because we have the hope of Jesus Christ and because we are followers of him and because we are part of the church, we are the vessels of, of hope uh, to this world. We read what Paul says in Romans 5, hope does not disappoint us because we have been poured into in our lives, the love of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And later on in, in Corinthians uh, 3, he says this, we have boldness because we have hope. We have boldness because we have hope. And so we're going to talk uh, this, this next nine weeks or eight weeks or six weeks, I forget. It's, it's some amount of weeks uh, about, about hope. And what it means as a church to steward that hope as we look uh, in just a few weeks to 18 confirmands receiving the living hope of Jesus Christ. So over the, the next several weeks, we're going to talk about uh, what it means to have our hopes emboldened uh, through prayer. That's what we're going to talk about today. And, and uh, next week, we're going to talk about how we're encouraged in that hope as we gather together uh, in in fellowship with one another as we are present together. And then we're going to talk about how uh, that hope is enlivened as we offer our gifts and our service unto God uh, in and through the church. And then we're going to talk about how we engage that hope as we're witnesses for Christ in the world. That's what it means to live out hope in our United Methodist understanding of being a follower of Christ. So now, with that in mind, as we talk about this series of where we're going to be emboldened and encouraged and engaging and enlivened, uh, here now, the word of the Lord is found in two passages in, in the book of Acts. And all the scripture texts for this series will come from the first nine chapters of Acts. The first one comes from Acts chapter 1, uh, the 14th verse. And it says, all these, the disciples, were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. 
And then in the fourth chapter, starting with verse 23, after they were released, that's Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them, and it is you, and it is you who have said by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord, against the Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do what your hand had and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their hearts and grant to your servants to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken and all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Imagine there's a few of y'all that uh, remember the movies and the show Star Trek? Remember that? You know, you know, you know, some of y'all can, you, you'll remember that. You remember how it usually uh, started out? Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Mission, five-year journey to explore strange new worlds, to seek new life and new civilizations, to what? Boldly go where no man has gone before. Y- y'all know that. And, and the people said, amen, let's sing the hymn and go. Yeah. To boldly go where no man has ever gone before. Wow. And and I bet some of you all that are older can remember James T. Kirk saying those words, the introduction of the program, and those later on at Captain Picard. You remember him saying that, to boldly go where no man has ever gone before. You know, the words that that were inspired, those words, came from our own space program. Back when the space program was being formed, uh, they said to inspire people. Well, as we are looking at going to that final frontier space, let us boldly go where no man has gone before. Wow. And words can inspire us, can't they? They can embolden us. They can cause us to to go and do things that we might not do uh, on our own. In fact, Abraham Lincoln said this, the mark of a great leader is that he will use words to inspire people to take them to places they would not have gone unless they had heard those words. I mean, words can inspire. But what happens when, well, things get tough? And the words begin to fade or we've been uh, moved by a certain melody and the the melody uh, starts to dissipate from our ears. You know, anyone can run a race when you're at the starting line, right? And the crowds are there cheering and everyone's excited and you're all fresh and you begin the race. But what happens when the race begins long and you start to have to climb those hills and the, the sun-scorched sky is beating down upon you and there's heat on you and the miles grow longer and longer and longer as you are there running. It gets tough, doesn't it? Tough to go the distance, tough to go where you haven't run before. What keeps us going? in times like that? What keeps the church moving when we are dealing with difficult things, when doubts come, when there is failure or confusion? What keeps us going? How do we move ahead? Well, the text that I just read to you help us with that. 
It's the gift of prayer that emboldens us as we steward our prayers, that emboldens us to go to places that, well, we may never have gone before. The first passage I read to you comes from Acts chapter 1. Duh, I said it's Acts 1, but yeah, that, that's that very first passage. And it's set after the ascension of Jesus. Jesus has gathered the disciples together and, and you know, they're still the disciples even after the resurrection because they say this. He said, now, Lord, are you ready to go kick the, the Roman's tail? And he said, no, it's, you still don't get it. But wait here. Wait here in Jerusalem, gather together, pray, and, and seek the spirit that will come down from on high. And then you'll know. And so the text says that they all gathered there together. The old King James uh, says to them, they, they gathered there in one accord, which brings up the terrible preacher's joke, what type of car did the disciples drive? A Honda, of course, because they're there in one accord. Okay, there you go. What does it mean? Yeah, I know, Brumshu. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. What does it mean to be in one accord? What does it mean to be together? They were praying for the very same thing. They were praying for what Jesus told them to pray for. Said, pray for the power to come down from on high. And you will then go and be my witnesses. You will be emboldened, you see, to go and do what you can't do on your own. What does it mean for a church in our day and time to pray in one accord? I'm not talking about riding in Hondas. What does it mean to pray together? Well, this church did that. This church has, did that. Back in June of 2021, this church held a powerful revival. You all, some of y'all might remember that. And you were asked to pray Psalm 85, 6, the verses there on the screen. Is it on the screen? It will be on the screen. There it is. And it said this, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? you might, some of you all remember that? And you're asked to set your clocks or your watches or your iPhones or whatever you have to pray at 8.56 in the morning. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? You're praying in one accord. Is it any wonder that there has been some revival taking place in this church, that things are, are, are starting to uh, pick up and things are starting to uh, go in a direction that God is having us to go and people are getting excited? Why is that? Because people, you've been praying. Revives again that your people are rejoicing. You people are rejoicing. People are being revived. People are coming to Christ. People are joining, as you'll see at, later at the end of the service. Is it any wonder then, because, well, I hope you're still doing this, are you? Our envisioning team has been meeting to talk about how God is going to lead us into the future. And, you know, we've got to seek wisdom in that, don't we? We've got to ask for God's will to be done in our lives. So they are asking us to look at Romans 12, 2, which is going to be on the screen. There it is. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds that you may prove what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And they're asking us to look at 1202 uh, to pray uh, that prayer. So I'm going to ask us to do something. Pull out your phones. Pull out your phones. Pull out your, or get your watch and set it. And 
Uh, the first alarm, if you haven't set it already, mine went off just a little bit ago at 8.56. Put up the slide, please. Set your alarm at 8.56 to have this go off. Revive us, Lord, so we may rejoice in you. So keep that prayer going. Okay, got your phones out doing that. Look at, oh, this is so cool. Everyone's looking at the phones and, and setting their watches or they're playing Wordle. One of the two right now. So thank you for d doing that. So, all right, so at 8.56 in the morning, you know, Boone United Methodist people, if you're uh, at work or at the gym or walking your dog or doing whatever, you're, you're gonna have a little buzz that happens on your phone or your watch. And if you can't figure out how to do that, ask your grandkids or take a picture of it and, and let someone help you set that, okay? Uh, and so wherever you are, you're gonna get that. I mean, lots of times I'm, I'm working out about that time. And uh, I'll have my headphones on, and I have Siri set to a, a British tone as Patty, and this little British girl say, pray for revival. <laughs> 8.56 in the morning. So, I mean, that happens. All right, so what are we going to say? Let's say this prayer together. Revive us, Lord, so we may rejoice in you. That's praying in one accord. And as we all do that, we're going to experience this revival that, that started back in June 21. It's going to continue. Revival just for a season or for a month or even a day. That's going to happen. Okay, next slide, 12.02. Now, for some of you, that's going to be 12.02, you know, right after you finish lunch in the afternoon. But I know there's some night owls out there. So in the middle of the night, you're going to have this go off as you're up. Uh, doing something, watching television or, or knitting or cleaning house. I know there are people out there that do that. Um, but you have that alarm. So set that alarm for 12.02. And this will be our prayer of one accord. Transform our minds, Lord, so that we may do your will. Can we say that together? Transform our minds, Lord, so that we may do your will. As our congregation is looking at how God's going to lead us into the future, as we're talking about some really cool things, well, we need God to guide us because something that we may think cool, God says, you know, that ain't what I want you to be doing. So, Lord, transform our minds so that we may do your will. Okay, we got that, everyone figured it out? All right, know what young person you're gonna to talk to to figure out how to do that? All right, don't start playing Wordle, Patty. Okay, let, uh, uh, <laughs> anyways. All right, so that's what it means to pray in one accord. That's what those disciples were doing. They were there in that upper room, all praying together for a solid week. You know, all right, send your power, Lord, send that power. And we know what happens, right? At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon them and it's like tongues of fire were on their head. And they boldly went where they would not ordinarily go. They were speaking in other languages, even though they didn't even have the Babel app. They were talking and saying things in languages they had never even dreamed of learning. And people from all over the world were beginning to hear the gospel message. And Peter, who we know just a few weeks earlier was scared to death, even to talk to a little servant girl, was boldly proclaiming the word of Jesus in front of everybody. The Spirit, you see, came down from on high upon them, and they boldly went and proclaimed the word of God about Jesus. Pretty cool. And, well, because they did that, things were going well. 
I mean, one sermon Peter preached, 3,000 were converted. Man, what, we love that. And the next time he preached, 2,000 were converted. People were being healed. And preceding what I read to you in chapter 4, he and John are walking to the temple. There's a man who was born lame, was sitting there at the temple. And you might remember the story. The fellow looks at him expectantly, seeing, wanting to give an uh, offering, getting some money. And I love the line, Peter said, silver or gold have I not, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And everyone was rejoicing because he did get up and walk. People were celebrating. And the religious leaders took notice. They have Peter and John arrested. They have them thrown in jail for a while. And then they pull them out of jail and they said, all right, we're going to release you. But don't ever say anything about Jesus again. They knew they couldn't do too much to them because all the town was celebrating. And they also knew that these were the guys that had healed that, that paralytic, that cripple. And they could be accused, these religious leaders, of arresting these folks for doing something good. So they, did, they want to get, they get the crowds all stirred up. They said, okay, you can go. We're going to let you walk free. But don't say anything about Jesus again. Wow. So, here they go back to church. They go back to the friends. That's, they go back to the fellowship. That's what it says. They're basically, they're going back to church. And they gathered the friends, the followers of Christ together. And they said this outstanding prayer. This prayer that would propel them even further. And it's a model prayer for us as we are going through some difficult times as individuals or as a church. And we're tempted to throw, in, throw it in when things don't seem to be going well. When there's criticism, when there's confusion, when there's doubt, uh, where people are, are persecuting us. It's a prayer that starts out the disciples claiming who God is by referring back to the scriptures. They turned to Psalm 146 and they said this, Sovereign Lord, who made heavens and earth and the seas, who reigns over everything. They're, they're telling God who God is. They're, they're giving a perspective on what has gone on around them by saying, you know, even though we might be persecuted, even though we might have been thrown in jail, God is still God. God is still great. God is still the creator. And if that is how we ought to start out our prayers. By naming who God is based upon what we read about God in the scriptures. And it puts everything in perspective. Everything in perspective. There's a story I heard um, down where I've moved from. That this Sunday school teacher volunteered. uh, This man volunteered to teach middle school Sunday school. Talk about a Christian martyr. (laughs) I mean, and it was mainly boys. And you know how middle school boys can be. I mean, they are rambunctious. They picked at each other and poked at each other, pulled one another's hair, pulled chairs out from... I mean, they were wild as hanks, as they say, uh, down our way. And he stuck with them, though. He, He said, listen, guys, if you will just sit down for a little bit and we'll, I'm going to help you memorize scripture verses. I'll give you some candy as you leave. Okay, candy's going to get their attention, right? That's the candy's out back. Yes, I get that. Those kisses too. That's why there's so few of them now. The staff walks by. Anyways, that, so the, 
the, the kids set, settled down and he taught them scripture verses week after week and they, they would memorize them. You know, some of them, the easy ones like Jesus wept, but you know, they memorize these, these other ones that about, you know, Jesus being there for them and that I'll never leave you or forsake you and my power is made great uh, through, through persecution. And so these boys, uh, you know, graduated and grew up and, and, you know, went on with life. And 20 years later, one boy came back to see this guy who was now getting kind of old in his hometown. And the fellow said, you know, I was a, a pilot that flew in the Vietnam War and when I shot down. And I was in that prisoner of war camp. And you know what got me through? Those scripture verses you made me memorize, they helped me see that God was here even in this hell hole called the Hanoi Hilton. Thank you. Thank you. It helped me remember who God was and is even in a place like I was serving. That's why it's so important, y'all to know the text, to know the scriptures, know who God is, because that is God speaking to us, revealing to us who he is, no matter what's going on in the world around us, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what persecutions we might face as a church, no matter how we might try something and might fail, God is still God, God is still sovereign, God is still good, and God is still great. And so those early believers did just as Jesus did in the model prayer, Starting with adoration, Father who art in heaven, hallowed is your name. Just like we sang earlier today, Brian, and thank you. Yeah, we remember who God is, and when we do that, as we look at the text and see the greatness of God, the love of God, the God will never leave us or forsake us, that, that gives us hope, gives us perspective. And the, those early disciples were able then to say this, let us pray with boldness to go out boldly and proclaim the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. If I had just been arrested uh, for uh, proclaiming the name of Jesus and thrown in jail, and, and, and I've been told not to do that again, I, my prayer might have been like this. It said, Lord, don't let that happen again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or I might have said this, okay, God, I will go around and secretly tell people about Jesus, but, you know, I just don't want to go back to that prison because, well... It's a tough place. Is that their prayer? No. They prayed with boldness. They prayed because God, you are God. You're the creator of the universe. You're the one that sent Jesus. You're a servant in the world as they're they talking about. Again, quoting scriptures. They prayed for boldness that they could continue to go and proclaim the name of Jesus. That nothing would, would hinder them from doing that. Because you all... They knew the way would be hard and it would be so easy to give up. But watch out when we pray for boldness because it's going to send us to places we wouldn't ordinarily go. Wouldn't ordinarily go. Believe it or not, for uh, this sermon, I did some reading. And... Uh, 
and unlike two weeks ago when I was talking about Karl Barth and Church Dogmatics, uh, this is a book I pulled off my shelf that I had read in the past. It was, it was a thin book, so yeah, that's one of the reasons I read it. But it's by William Paulson. It's on prayer. And in it, he, he describes the lives of, the, of great Christians and their prayer life. And, and he, he talks about how they were empowered by their prayers. And one that I read through is about Dorothy Day. You may never have heard of her. She led the Catholic Workers Movement back in the 20s and 30s and she talked about how sometimes it's so difficult uh, to be a follower of Jesus in the midst of all the, the, the crime and the, and the poverty that she dealt with. It, she said it's hard sometimes to see Jesus in the drunk who's come into the church and yelling and demanding things or in the gruff dock workers or the cynical store clerks but she said you know as I prayed uh, I saw him as Jesus even when it's so hard. And then Paulson says this, and this is the crux of the matter. Spirituality or prayer is dangerous because it will lead us to places we would not ordinarily go. It will enable us to see people who we could never think of as Jesus Christ as being Christ. The poor, the lame, the marginalized, the person that makes us cringe when we see them. That person is Christ too, and we are compelled to go and offer them Jesus. And it's hard sometimes, very hard. Some people give up. See this in John's gospel. In John chapter six, it starts out, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Everyone said, yay! And then Jesus walks on water. Everyone says, yay, great! And then Jesus' teaching begins to grow hard and difficult. And it says, People fall away. And who are these people? It's not just the crowd who's there to get a free lunch. It wasn't the religious leaders who were disgusted at Jesus' teachings. It said his disciples fell away. Wow. Disciples. Followers of his. When it got hard. When Jesus was asking them to go to places they wouldn't ordinarily go, they fell away. And only the 12 remained. And Jesus said to them, you're going to leave me too? And, he, and Peter says, you're the only one that gives us the word of life. Where else could we go? Because sometimes, y'all, the journey is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult as we're being led to places we wouldn't ordinarily go. We're going to see some stuff that might be frightening. But that's why we pray to become stewards of prayer, to be emboldened, to be inspired, to do things that we wouldn't do on our own, to go places we wouldn't go on our own, to accomplish things that we could only dream of. And we talk about Star Trek starting this out, so we gotta talk about space a little bit, right? You know, and I was, you know, blessed to grow up uh, near Eglin Air Force Base. In fact, I, I worked uh, in a, a math lab for a while, believe it or not. Um, and there are engineers that were part of uh, that math lab in, in, in my growing up days that had worked on the space program. And, and uh, I had a, one that was actually worked with me in a scout troop. And uh, he was talking about, I don't know why it came to his mind, but he's talking about uh, the, the space program and, and the struggles they went through. 
You, you recall that I said that uh, the go where no man had gone before that we think from Star Trek actually is from uh, the Eisenhower administration because the space program was, was fledgling at the time. And they, you know, it, people said, why are we spending money on that? You know, we, we got all sorts of other things. And so they were trying to inspire people those words. And then a few years later, President Kennedy gave his famous speech in Houston where he said, we will go to the moon, we will go to the moon uh, and do other things, not because they're easy, but because they are hard. What an inspiring speech. And, uh, and things were going great. Yeah, the Mercury program, everyone celebrated that. The Gemini program, uh, all these astronauts are going doing spacewalks and they're beginning the Apollo program to take people to the moon. And this man, uh, John Levito, talked about what happened on January 27th, 1967, in the Apollo 1 capsule. Everyone thinks, yeah, we, we, we unbridled success here. And on that morning, that winter morning, Roger Chafee, Gus Grissom, and Ed White were there getting ready to do a, a test fire of the capsule, and a fire broke out there in the capsule, and all three of them lost their lives. Some of y'all might remember that. It devastated the, the, the Apollo program, devastated the, the workers. And, and uh, I remember John Levito saying to me, he said, you know, um, everyone's trying to point fingers at what happened. And there was, you know, one thing that they said that was the primary cause, but they looked at it. There are all sorts of things that went wrong. They were questioning themselves. There's congressional hearings. You know, there was uh, the war on poverty going on at the time. There was a war in Vietnam. Why do we need to spend money on all this? And, and he said, you know, we were ready to give up. But what inspired us, he said, and others said, was this. One, we had to honor the deaths of Grissom and and Chafee and White. And also we had this vision to go where no man had gone before. And so they kept pressing on and we all know what happens in 1969 when Neil Armstrong sets his foot on the face of the moon. We all, we all know that. But there is times of struggle and doubt before that. Well, here we are. Here we are, and we've been through tough times as a congregation, and we know some people have said, well, I don't know about all this, not only in our church, but churches all over. What keeps us going? Being bold with this gift of prayer, saying, God, let us see who you are. Let us honor this one who gave his life, a, a savior's life, who we are to honor and to cherish, this Jesus. Get for us this vision, Lord, of a world that is transformed by us. Take us to places that we would never go before so that the world might be changed because of us, because of what you do through us. So this week, this week, be a steward of hope in your prayers. Be bold in prayers. Really, I hope you set on your, on your uh, calendar those times of prayer. We can be one accord, whether you're online or here in person. And then see where God's going to take you. It may be, maybe that God is going to give you the power to embolden you to go and say some words of reconciliation to someone that you need to make amends with. It may be that God is going to embolden you to get you more involved with the poor and the broken of this world. 
God may embolden you to say, you know, that relative of yours that doesn't know me, you know, that friend of yours that doesn't know about Jesus, you know, that neighbor that has quit going to church and given up on faith. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit emboldens you maybe to go speak the word of grace. Or you may know that there may be something in your life, something in your heart, that you need to lift up and confess to someone else. And it's scary. The Spirit will give you the courage to say, I'm sorry. I've blown it. Forgive me. But your bold prayers, they may reconcile relationship, they may help mend a broken life, bring someone to saving knowledge of Christ that may bring healing to your own sin-sick soul. But whatever it does, know this. The ride sometimes is going to be bumpy, but it's going to take you beyond the moon and the stars all the way to heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us a great hope that is in Jesus Christ. May we steward that hope as we boldly pray for your presence to come upon us, to give us the wisdom and the insight to move ahead within your will as individuals and as a community of faith. And Lord, May you revive us so that we might rejoice in you. And in our being revived, Lord, as individuals and as a church, we invite others to come as we boldly live and proclaim Jesus. We ask all this in and through him. Amen.